Good morning. On this bowl of question crunch, Vince A of Egg Drop Ramen Studios is here to answer questions about his comic art, his panels for this year's San Diego Comic-Con, and Bill Pullman's marriage to Julius Caesar. I'll be ready very very shortly. <laughs> oh no, no worries. As we, as we record. Any, anytime anybody says they're having computer problems, that's stupid. But that song from um, um, Kip's wedding song from Napoleon Dynamite always starts playing in my head. <laughs> like oh, it becomes an earworm so like i try not to hum it out loud because i got caught doing it once and people are like what are you singing what is this song oh we're totally keeping this in the podcast that's a funny way to start because uh <laughs> i totally forgot about that song it's the i love you more than technology right so so the last time this happened they're trying to figure it out and i didn't realize they were recording and i was like i was just starting like, I love technology, but not as much as you and me. But still, I love technology, always and forever. <laughs> <laughs> and then I heard giggling, and they're like, we totally heard that. And I was like, that's cheating. You said you were having technical difficulties. <laughs> not enough to not hear that glorious song. Thank you very much. <laughs> but yeah. But that, that's automatic. You weren't with any kind of technical issue. That's the, that's the song that just pops into my head automatically. I went to a drive-thru, and the person at the drive-thru was having a problem with the iPad to get the menus and everything. And she mm-hmm. and I was like, it's okay. Technology screws up for everyone. It's, it's, it's fine. I'm patient, and I understand. And she's like, yeah, but I know. My generation is obsessed with technology. I was like, well, I was like, no, no, you're fine. But in my head, I'm like, how old do you think I am? <laughs> Yeah, I'm in the generation that's obsessed with technology. Don't give me that. (laughs) To prompt it with my generation, it's like, wait, hold on. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not judging your generation. I'm not that old yet. (laughs) The only thing I'll judge is TikTok. If you're talking about TikTok, then I might criticize. But no, this is silly. This is silly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So. There's been pre- there's been many episodes of this podcast where I've mentioned that San Diego Comic Fest, I can't go to San Diego Comic Fest without coming back with new friends. And you are one of those new friends. I met you this year at Comic Fest. So this is proof of my claim. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I am very honored to be counted amongst them. Um, I love your work. I'm going to go rant a little bit because I, I, I know one of the questions is what inspires your art. We'll get there eventually. But I okay. want to mention... <laughs> that I'm a big fan of your artwork because you have a certain style that's very, that lets the characters breathe. Um, there's a lot, of, it, it reminds me of uh, Miyazaki as far as having open space that I can just enjoy the characters, that it doesn't feel so crowded and cramped. I get, I get a little claustrophobic sometimes with art. And even if the art is complicated, there's still some air to breathe because I noticed that with a lot of the shapes that you use, it's just really airy and free, and it's just really enjoyable to look at. Oh, thank you. I, I absolutely appreciate that. Yeah, um, if I'm being real, part of it is because when I first started drawing, first and foremost, it was it was characters. You know, I love drawing characters because I grew up with cartoons. And then I got, um, once I discovered comic books, and specifically manga, 
I started getting into drawing detailed backgrounds. But, you know, full disclosure, I'm kind of a lazy artist. I hate drawing super intricate backgrounds because um, I feel like, how do I put it? Especially um, as it pertains like comics and, and, and things of that nature. I, to other people, it may look fine, but to me, to my eye, um, things get busy very easily. And and in my in my own artwork, somebody's like, this looks rad, and I love the detail and blah, blah blah. But to me, it's like there's not enough separation or delineation between the character subject and their background. So I, I tend to cheat more towards the characters because that's why I enjoy drawing the most. And um, especially in, you know in the comics that that I've drawn, um, background is secondary, mostly because you know I. I um, I'm, I'm playing to my strengths, basically. You know, I, I, I like drawing character, character art. Of course, I'm considering where the text is going to be, you know. And um, yeah, and, and things of that nature. But uh, but thank you for those kind words. Really appreciate it. And yeah, and I love Yuzaki's work. Um, I was actually I, on the second to the last day of the exhibit. I made it up to the Academy, uh, Motion Picture Academy, whatever, blah, 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 museum in LA um, to, to see the exhibit. And it was freaking it was like life i mean people are like looking at me like this guy is like on the verge of tears because <laughs> it was it was so cool to see literal pages that his hands touched like he drew that line you know he painted that stroke and it, it was it was oh man it, it sounds hyperbolic even but it, it was a religious experience it was really really cool and the only thing i regret is that you know we couldn't take photos but I mean, I could understand why. I got actually they had a they had a diorama of I believe it's from um from Castle in the Sky of the mines, but it was so poorly lit and you could tell there were things inside the tunnels. And without thinking, I took my phone out and turned on the flashlight. And my daughter was with me. I'm like, look, there's stuff in there. And the security guard was running. She's like, no pictures. Turn off that light, sir, please. And I was like, totally embarrassed. But yeah. <laughs> I always think it's funny whenever security gets on your case about a camera and you're like, oh, shit, right? Because like, even if you're not using it for a camera or the specific thing that the security guard says, don't do that. Um, yeah. You were using it for the light. Um, have you have you been to the Crow Lounge at Comic-Con? Uh, only a few times and mostly to pass out. <laughs> I, I took out my phone to take a photo of the snacks because I want to show off that I had snacks and my friends didn't. <laughs> and they're like no cameras i'm like it's just it's just snacks <laughs> yeah we're not aiming it at jim lee or whoever happens to be there which i i've, I've only seen maybe oh, who have i seen in there i can't even remember who i've seen into that would count like where i would maybe fanboy over i'm mostly looking for like coffee and stale donuts and just a place that my feet rest whenever i'm yeah. up there you know <laughs> yeah i've never looked at people i've i've kept my head down because i'm just there to sit <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, no, none of us go up there to, to stargaze by any means no <laughs> we're all just wiped out <laughs> yeah it's it's just a really convenient place where we can just <laughs> not be around crowds calm yeah. down buddy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i was impressed by the snacks that's what i was impressed by <laughs> Um, I know how you feel. I know how I feel about artwork because like I do like a good detailed background, but a lot of times it gets overcrowded from my eyes and I don't enjoy that. I like having some room 
and um what and when i saw that you did some miyazaki art i was like yeah oh, that totally makes sense that really applies to your art style um <laughs> because one of my favorite moments from any miyazaki film was when they first in uh, uh spirited away when they first walk in, through the tunnel and they're in that grassy area where there's just rocks and blue skies i'm like this is gorgeous and i'm not even that in front there's no amazing building there's just sky and grass <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, his movies literally are like the equivalent of like yoga breathing. It's like you're inhaling, you know, with 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 purpose, and you're exhaling with purpose, you know. It's yeah, I mean, breathtaking is like always the first word that comes to mind whenever I watch one of his films, and even when I. Like I'm I'm a process junk and I love watching like the behind the scenes stuff and documentaries and that kind of stuff. And even watching when they work, you know, is like soothing to me. Even though I know he has like a um a reputation for kind of, you know, driving the hammer down on his staff. But but seeing the art of but seeing him in the action of creating is always like wow, you know. <laughs> I think that yoga is gonna be my way to describe it for the rest of my life. <laughs> I think that that did it perfectly. Uh, breathing with a purpose, because like we're all used to breathing, we breathe all the time. But mm-hmm. it feels like everything is very important to Miyazaki, and so mm-hmm. it is inhaling and exhaling. Because a lot of his scenes can get crowded, but it's crowded for a purpose. It's crowded for mm-hmm. a reason. You are supposed to feel that shit, and so, mm-hmm. damn, <laughs> <laughs> yoga is the best way I can think of it. <laughs> um. So we do, we, we, I, there's a few podcast episodes where I've mentioned Miyazaki. I've tried to say Ghibli Ghibli many times, and mm-hmm. Angie has shown me online that it's pronounced in a way that I would never even thought about. Do you know the actual pronunciation? Um, so I know, how do I say it? like phonetically, it's Ghibli, but when I watched Damn. The, the House of... <laughs> Was it Madness or whatever the documentary was? Because mm-hmm. I always said it with a hard G. With the, I always said Ghibli, and then I heard him in interviews saying with a soft with the with the soft G. So, like up up until maybe two years ago, I was just saying Ghibli, and and people. Are, but I guess the correct pronunciation is Ghibli with the soft G. I'm gonna stick with Miyazaki. That's so much easier because like my mind will always put Ghibli, even if I know different. Yeah. <laughs> um. But besides Miyazaki, uh, what inspires your art? Or is Miyazaki all of it? No, no. Miyazaki is actually a more recent inspiration, if, if I'm being honest. Um, I didn't have an appreciation for his films until maybe the late 90s, or for, for Ghibli films in general. Um, and it all started with uh, Grave of the Fireflies, which is like, I mean, Damn. yeah. Yeah, I mean, talk about, like, <laughs> jumping uh, straight into it. Um, you didn't want to be cheerful at all. <laughs> oh, no. It was, it was, so it was funny because, I mean, speaking of, of cons, it was at, I was at a Comic-Con. It was my first Comic-Con. I want to say it was, like, 92. I'm dating myself now. It was, like, 90, 91 or 92. And um, I was off my volunteer shift, and I was walking the exhibit floor, and the movie poster was everywhere. And it was it's such a compelling poster. You know, it's this boy, and... His sister's like piggyback, you know, assuming his sister in this messed up umbrella. And, you know, they look, you know, they look ragged. And it's obviously like a you know, story about, you know, war torn Japan. And I, and I was like, man, I see this everywhere. And I asked my father, have you seen this? 
And he's like, dude, I own it. And I'm going to make you watch it. And he's like, but you're going to need tissues. And he's like, and we might not be friends after this. <laughs> so, and then, you know, and, and I don't, I don't think I need to give a spoiler for saying this, but the kids are dead in the beginning of the movie. And then it's a slow burn <laughs> to that point. And it's, it's, and it, it's, it's such a heartbreakingly gorgeous film. But, you know, I, I've read reviews, and maybe there's like Cisco Ibir or some critics saying like, you know, it's a triumph and a masterpiece of humanity. And I was like, it makes me hate humanity. Like these kids, like society failed these kids at every freaking turn, you know? And, and, the, and the ending is heartbreaking and gut-wrenching. And like now having my own children, there's no freaking way I'm going anywhere near that film, you know, because my... I'll probably hug my kids to death and be like, Dad, you're being lame and like quit holding us. What's wrong with you? But yeah, that film destroyed me. Um but to go like back you, to your question. <laughs> I like thinking of you telling your kids like we're not going outside anymore. There's people out there. <laughs> oh yeah. It, it, and it's so funny because like, you know, speaking of influences, you know, my art from the first thing I can remember drawing or trying to ape drawing was like Tom and Jerry cartoons and Mighty Mouse. You know that kind of stuff, um, and then it and and Popeye, because as a kid, you know I was an immigrant kid um, in the Philippines. There was a lot of like old school Mighty Mouse cartoons they would show on TV and Popeye. And then when I meant when I moved to Hawaii for for a period of time, that's what I remember watching as a kid. And then when um, when I was about, want to say, five or six, and we we permanently moved to San Diego one of the first things I remember watching was He-Man on TV, you know? And um, that was kind of my gateway to making friends, being the, the weird immigrant kid with the, with the accent and dressed funny, you know, was when my classmates figured out that I could draw, and specifically I could draw He-Man, you know, it was an easy way to make friends, and I was no longer that weird kid, you know, because they were so focused on that. I could draw them stuff. But, of course, you know, after that, that led to, like, Transformers and G.I. Joe, and I was all about, you know, the, the kind of the war machine and cartoons and action and things blowing up. And, and Grave of the Fireflies was, I want to say it was a big shift in my attitude towards those kind of stories. I kind of lost my taste for that kind of, um, that kind of Rambo action. You know what I mean? Um, and, and honestly, of all the things I've ever consumed, reading books, you know learning stuff in school that that film illustrated the cost of war to me you you know what i mean it took the quote-unquote fun out of war there, there's a human cost to it. it 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 put to the forefront of mind that there's a there's a very real human cost to any kind of conflict you know and um you know i, I still like a good action adventure sci-fi you know shoot them up blow them up things but now um specifically the way i consume those stories and even if in the way i, I tell them i feel like there's a bigger responsibility to tell them in a way that doesn't um how do i put it glorify yeah glorify i mean it's i mean to put it bluntly i don't want to make war porn and i don't want to consume war porn you know what i mean I know exactly what you mean. I feel like uh, the U.S. loves to fetishize guns. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that, I, we could spend five hours talking about, believe me, I, I've been on my soapbox on yeah. that for a <laughs> while. I mean, 
I mean, without getting into too much, as a parent, especially, you know what I mean? Uh, thinking of my childhood, I, I missed the days of the most terrified I was, was an earthquake drill, you know? And now kids are having drills where the teacher ha has to figure out this nifty way of, I can use this chair to lock the door and, you know, it's stupid and ridiculous. And, um, you know, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, I don't know. It, it's, it's a weird time to be in. <laughs> I know you said that Cisco Niebert said it was, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, something, something about humanity. I'm trying to remember the words that you said. Oh yeah. Like, like a triumph of humanity or something okay. like that. Yeah. I, I kind of think it's triumphant if it, if it made you realize that war sucks that it, it took you away from uh the gi joe cartoons where it's like man war is amazing war is manly we should all want war <laughs> i i like yeah. i like there being stuff because like uh i i feel like there needs to be more cartoons that show like i i don't want kids to be so depressed <laughs> but i do like cartoons showing that certain things you should not celebrate you should not enjoy yeah. You should not, you should not think that guns are something that you need to have. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's it's so funny. I mean, speaking of GI Joe, and this this and this is another major influence in 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 my in my uh, how would I say it? in my nerddom and in my art was um, when Robotech came out. You know, when that anime series came out, and specifically, you know, for anybody that hasn't seen it and wants to watch the original, I'm warning you right now. I'm going to spoil a part of it. Oh no! But yeah, <laughs> but the the episode where Roy Foker died, like, well, like whole. It, I mean, I think I believe I was like in the fifth grade, fourth or fifth grade when that happened, and it was like the talk of school. Like, holy crap! They killed off like he's supposed to be like the ace pilot. He's invincible, and he, you know, he died as a consequence of conflict. And it was again. It was like it was such a departure from what we were consuming with like lasers bouncing off of robots and G.I. Joe soldiers being able to flip around bullets and, you know, eject just an nick of time before that jet blows up, you know? And it was, it was like, it was, it was crazy to me to, that that was in a cartoon, you know? Because we all, because we all saw it, we, I mean, as kids, we all saw it in movies as a child of the 80s. I saw Rambo, I mean, I saw Platoon, which got the crap out of me, you know, where I was like, man, I don't ever want to be a soldier because you lose body parts in war, who knew that would happen? But <laughs> what? Ah, <laughs> yeah. oh, damn it! I have to, you know, not enlist now. <laughs> well, and, and it's funny cause I, I say this, and maybe it's because of like, you know, recent events and everything that's happening. But like I said, I'm not. I'm not saying that like I'm. A, I'm. I'm a complete pacifist, or I, I don't enjoy a good story set in conflict, like Star Wars or something like that, or what have you. You know, but I, I just feel like. I consume it in a different way, you know? I think that there can be a balance. I'm pretty sure that there can be a balance because, yeah. um, so you're bringing up cartoons that got real serious real fast. And I had mentioned that I like cartoons having those moments where they explain stuff to kids in a very reasonable and respectable way. Um, mm -hmm. The one that always comes to my mind is from Gargoyles because I was born in the 80s, but I'm a child of the 90s. And mm -hmm. The episode where, uh, spoiler alert, uh, 
Gargoyles is on Disney Plus. So if you want to watch it, go watch it. But if oh, yeah, you don't absolutely. want the spoiler, <laughs> here's a spoiler from Gargoyles. Uh, when Broadway shoots Eliza, Eliza, when he shoots mm-hmm. her, that episode is real dark and real serious. And I remember being very not scared, but very surprised that it happened in a kid's cartoon. But mm-hmm. it's a good episode to talk about how even if you watch a cartoon that has a lot of guns in it, guns are still dangerous and people can people if you you can shoot a friend and they will be dead um mm-hmm. but then that episode got like banned like they wouldn't show that on the uh, public uh, on basic cable they wouldn't show it on tv and um i i haven't checked to see if it's on disney plus i hope it is because it's a really good episode and more people should watch it yeah yeah no i, I agree there, there, there's a there's a there's a safe and tactful way to address those things like you said without terrifying kids <laughs> and 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 it's funny because then the whole excuse I, if you're a good writer you can make it work you, you know what i mean it's just like i hear the excuse of like it, it's been like a, it's been a trend of like you know comedians were and even in the 90s they, they kind of ran to us like everything's off limits now you got to be pc and it's like well quit going for the cheap laugh if you're that good of a comedian or a writer you will think of something you know brilliant that would be funnier you know, if, if that would be as funny, if not funnier than what, than what you, than what you're doing, you know, so. Ooh. And it's, it's Did strange because, off? what, oh, no, your, your camera turned off for a second. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I had an incoming call, so I was like, oh, crap. So. No, you're good. You're good. It happens. <laughs> and we can leave this in the podcast. I don't want to cut it out because it's funny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, speaking of war uh <laughs> if you were going to replace one character on independence day with julius caesar who would you pick <laughs> this one oh man the, the only one i can think of the first one that came to mind because uh, i used to be a fan and not so much anymore is adam baldwin yeah character the, the air force guy that's a um, damn good call holy shit uh <laughs> <laughs> it was between him and the the president's wife only because the president's wife, I mean, was just kind of like, uh, I feel bad, but okay. <laughs> oh, that's mean. But, <laughs> she... <laughs> and and, and uh, um, see, Jeff Goldblum's, uh, the, the guy with the voice, I was like, I'm not oh. my lawyer. I, I love him too much. Like, all the characters, the first one that came out was like Adam Baldwin. Yeah, I love it. I love that guy, David. Why did I say my mother? <laughs> I wanted so much more of him in the movie. I was so sad when he when he got blown up. <laughs> so, I I don't agree that uh, Jeff Goldblum's uh, buddy should be replaced by Julius Caesar, and I definitely don't think that the president's wife should be replaced because that's a sad and touching scene, and you're just shitting all over it. <laughs> But Adam Baldwin is a good one because uh, I just uh, I watched a uh, Creditor two um, just the other day and uh, he shows up and I feel like every time I see him now I'm just like you piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and it's I, I hate how things like that can do things to things we love. You know what sure. I mean? It's really hard to I don't know. As a fan, I. I've come to a realization for some things I just have to take ownership of what I love. And what, what I really hate, and 
Like, I mean, case in point, Harry Potter, you know, the books and the movie. The books were such great books. Um, and I thought they were progressive and they were so representational. And then she came out with her stance, you know, on, 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 on transgenders. And it's like, okay, don't agree with that. But uh, and I, and tra- I transgender bad. people. Was that? Transgender people. I just want to make sure that that, that is a, uh, an adjective. So it's not transgenders because that oh, would be yes, a noun. Yes, it's yes, transgender yes, people, yes, tra- trans yes, people. Absolutely, yes. Yes, thank you. And um, yeah, yes, thank you. And my apologies. But um, I didn't want it to, to taint something that I love so much, and specifically the movies, too, because it's like one person shouldn't negate everybody else's hard work. You know, and that one bad apple does not speak definitely for everybody around them. You know, you know what I mean? I mean, and um, that happened like, I, I saw this discussion with one of my friends um, around the Cosby show. I mean, I grew up on the Cosby show. Like, that's the family that every kid wished they had, you know? And it was such a big part of my childhood. And then it's like, <laughs> you know? And, it, and it's, like, it's like, how you divorce yourself from, from the bad actor, something you love. You, you know what I mean? I know exactly how you mean. And it's, it's strange because I feel like, I feel like there's a lot of bad people involved with doing good, good art and good things. And you have to be aware of it. Just, just, okay. I still love Harry Potter because that book got me through a lot of tough times. And I can't, I can't just throw that away. But I'm not going to get on someone's case if they do call for a cancellation of Harry Potter. I just would like other people who do call for the cancellation of Harry Potter to understand that, you know, a lot of kids took comfort and took strength from that story. So it's really, I don't know, it's hard. Yeah. Um, whenever I champion for Planned Parenthood and someone mentions that the person who created it was a racist piece of shit, I'm like, yeah. Um, a lot of organizations I mean, <laughs> if you want to bring out Walt Disney skeletons, let's talk about some. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, you, I feel like you should still be able to find. And I'm glad that a lot of art that we love, like the the classics, like the Renaissance period. I'm so glad I don't know about the personal lives of a lot of those artists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I'm oh, sure yeah. that most of them were horrific people. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just, I mean, the access to information is a double-edged sword, you know. I also really like it because then if I find someone new, I can look at their social media and be like, okay, cool. I'm not that far along and I can cut the fandom yeah. real easily. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> um, when, when, we first be, when we first met... Um, I didn't know anything about you. Uh, we had some drinks, but I feel like it's your Instagram that I was like, oh, man, I really appreciate your politics. I appreciate your uh, activism, your desire to be involved. Um, and I love your fandoms, your nerdiness. Uh, I'm trying to remember <laughs> what you drew that really blew my mind. I, I, what, was it was it Powerline? It was something was a goofy movie, something goofy movie. No, no. It was something really obscure. It was, didn't you get a sticker from Goofy Movie? Oh, yes, yes. Um, so, a Goofy Movie is one, um, one of my favorite movies um, that I think doesn't get enough 
uh, credit for what it did. But um, like that one's in heavy rotation in our household. And um, a, a company called Who's It's and What's It's. They license a bunch of Disney stuff. And they kind of do what I like to call like low-key geek wear. And um, they had the sticker. Um, yeah, the, the sticker for uh, Lake Destiny, which is the campground that Goofy was trying to take his son to. And I almost didn't buy the sticker because I was like hoping it was a patch. If it was a patch, I was going to put it on a hat or a sweater or something. I was so disappointed it was just a sticker. And then it was so funny because then I got the sticker. And I showed my, my, my wife the sticker. I'm like, look, I got this. She's like, oh, that's so rare. I was like, yeah, you know, which car should I put it on? She's like, you're not putting it on the car. I was like, oh, I'm so bummed out. And then I forget how the conversation came up again. But my daughter was like laughing at me and she's like, she, and you know, time I was like, man, you crushed dad's dreams. Did you see his face when you said you couldn't put it on the car? And then, and then she's like, well, I don't, you know, it's going to mess up the paint. And I was like, I would never put a sticker on, on the actual bumper. That's just what they call them. I would have put it in the window. She's like, oh, then that's fine. And I was like, good grief, woman. Like, I was so heartbroken because I wanted to rock the sticker so bad. And then she finally let me put it on our car. And um and then uh, yeah, I took a picture. That's the post you saw, and I was like so happy. <laughs> did you relate more to Goofy than you ever did before when your wife said, "No, I don't want a sticker for Lake Destiny on our car." <laughs> oh man, yeah, it, like it was, my my daughter was like laughing hysterically. She's like, the look, I guess the look on my face was like soul crushing. She's like, "You looked so sad." <laughs> well, but isn't that what Goofy said? Like the goof to goof to goof. It's all about Lake Destiny, and you were deprived. Like Destiny <laughs> on your car. <laughs> yeah. Your wife's like, no, I want to go see the Powerline concert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Damn, I never saw a Goofy movie in real life. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even draw that parallel. I'm going to have to show that after this. I didn't even draw that parallel. <laughs> <laughs> your daughter recognized it real fast, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she was on top of it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, so I need to find that website now that you said it was low key, uh, fandom. Uh, that's my jam. I like the really obscure shit that most people are not going to be able to immediately recognize. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm sorry you missed a train on it, but I have a shirt that is a Lake Destiny camp counselor shirt. It says staff on the back. Yeah. That's pretty it rad. The, yeah. It was, the, it was the first thing I ever bought from that company. And then we've been a fan of like what they put out ever since. Because they play cool stuff like that, yeah. I I'm a big fan of the obscure stuff. Like, uh, yeah. what was it? My friend made a uh, she made a possum costume for Halloween, and she was saying I still have possum stuff, and I was like, you know what? You could do. <laughs> oh, no. You could make some possum hats, and I would easily buy one for you. <laughs> awesome, awesome jamboree time. <laughs> I need to be a part of the posse possa, the, the possum yeah. posse. Lesser, that's it. <laughs> Man, if I can get a group to dress up like the possum posse, that would be amazing. Oh, wow. I'd want to be Mordecai. <laughs> we, I think we would have small children running from us legitimately. Yep. Easily. <laughs> Just sparks flying out of Mordecai. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... I really love this conversation already. Well, from the beginning, I think it was amazing because we brought up a lot of really cool <laughs> stuff as far as uh, um, sad as fuck movies. Uh, 
But I feel like those movies and those scenes and those episodes are important. And I think it's a really good segue to your panel. I did not know this panel existed, and I want more people to see this panel. And I'm, I mean, do you know what time it's at? Before we even get to the title, I want to know what the time is. Um, it, the only thing I can tell you guys is that's on Thursday, because that's, and that might even be too much, you know, because Comic-Con doesn't want us announcing specifics until two weeks before, until it's nailed down, because I guess we're still shifting times. Okay, but then no say that I don't, because this comes out the yeah. first. When is that two weeks before? I guess I think it's the, I think I think it's two weeks before because it'll yeah. yeah it should be yeah okay then we can talk about the time because this comes out yeah, to yeah, like yeah. <laughs> okay yeah okay yeah so um and if it changes I guess we we can we you can you can add something to it but it's scheduled for um Thursday mm-hmm. uh one thirty to two thirty in room twenty nine C D okay at good Comic-Con. um and it's the mental health and uh it's the pop culture and mental health panel. And, um, I was just making—I was making sure the time because if it was at 10 a.m., I don't know if I'll be able to make it because I'm not a morning uh, person, so it's really hard for me to get out. But if it's yeah. at you know <laughs> one, I am totally there because I yeah. think that yeah, it's it's the mental health and pop cultural culture panel, and I think that that sounds amazing. And I would like to know more about what is in store for that panel. What is that panel about? So um, I, I can't take complete credit for thinking of it. Um, because uh, we did a similar panel at Comic Fest, um, myself and, and and my my um, my creative partner in crime, Doctor Doctor Scarlet. Um, it was funny because the last convention we were at before quarantine and before the pandemic was Comic Fest, and we had a similar panel based around um, mental health and um, pop culture, uh, specifically around Harry Potter, and. Um, and I, I believe it's, it was when the movies were coming out. Um, what's it called? The um, the 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 Grindelwald movies yeah. were coming out. Yeah. So it was around that time. And the reason I wanted to do it for Comic Con because there was such a great response at Comic Fest. Um, and it was like, you know, people relating to each other, and um, there's like so much empathy, and um, I don't know, and so much sharing. And, uh, you know, to be honest, I just want, I want, I want to recreate that on a Comic-Con scale, and, you know. And, um, and also because, I mean, when, when I think it's very valid right now because of everything that's going on. I mean, pop culture basically got us through the pandemic. You know, who didn't rely on video games or Netflix or any streaming service, you know, that had their favorite shows or even music to get them through the quarantine. You know, and also, you know, as far as, cause, because, you know, I, I want to also touch upon like how pop culture can have, you know, a negative effect on our mental health as far as like toxic fandoms, you know, which is like a big thing right now, um, you know, in, in my opinion. But, um, but mostly, you know, Comic-Con is a pop culture gathering and it's such a huge part of everybody's lives. I, I wanted to get like a discussion going on, like how does that how does that affect us? You know, I mean, to what degree does it affect us? To what degree should we allow it to affect us? You know, and if there if there's anything if there are any negative outcomes that can come of it, we should be aware of those too and be able to look out for them. You know, 
to 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 help you know inform our experiences with pop culture, you know. So I I agree that pop culture is so amazing because I mean we just talked about a bunch of pop culture earlier, but mm -hmm. I feel like pop culture provides us an escape and also it provides us an escape and a mirror at the same time because a lot of times the characters will have dialogue that is fits our feelings but we were not able to find the words for them mm -hmm. or the characters will have encouraging words that we would not have received from anyone because not everyone is an author not everyone's a writer and so having yeah. a character be able to say something that's really meaningful to us helps yeah uh, and, and also there's there's no there's nothing wrong with it just being pure escapism too you know i mean there's like i put on a lot of shows where you know i have what i call my comfort shows where i literally would just turn my brain off and, and just enjoy it for what it was you know because i didn't want to think about the world and all the absolute insanity going on because it can get overwhelming you know <laughs> it can get really overwhelming and sometimes you need that pop culture white noise to drown that out and find your little corner of sanity again, you know. <laughs> what What is your comfort? Um, man, during during the pandemic, we marathoned over and over again seasons of Psych. Okay. We watched Psych over and over again, and then um, that was also when we discovered Bob's Burgers. And it it, it is so funny because Bob's Burgers and uh, I believe we discovered Archer. And it is because but Bob's Burgers to be very blunt when i first saw the previews the art the art style didn't speak to me the 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 eyes kind of freaked me out the way they drew the eyes and i didn't realize how much of an how, how fun of an of, a, of an acting you know tool that was in the context of the show oh, I, those kind of two kind of weird dead eyes that they do you know <laughs> i was the same way when i first saw Bob's burgers and it was uh i got sick and I let Hulu decide what I was going to watch. I just let Hulu uh, run. And Bob's Burger shows up. And I'm like, this is really funny. Like, I really love this yeah. show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, from the get-go, from from the first episode, my wife and I, why weren't we watching this sooner? I'm like, well, yeah. you know. <laughs> I know exactly how you feel. And so when you said it was the art, I'm like, yeah, the art I, I was not... I did not think it was going to be that good. I saw it. I was like, ah, oh, that looks that look, that's not my jam. And I watched it. Oh. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and it's funny, like from the first season to like now, watching just the progression of how good the background art is, is amazing. And the production values, you know, I mean, but but the earlier episodes still hold up. You know, the, the animation still holds up. It's it's just it's such a brilliant show. And what I really love about that show is that. You know, unlike, unlike in the what what I because I compare it to The Simpsons, and to me in The Simpsons, Bart, Homer, Lisa, um, you know, even Marge, and Maggie to an extent, they kind of like forget that they love each other and they're a family, and they kind of have to be reminded by the end. Whereas in like Bob's Burgers, you know, uh, you know, Tina, you know, they're all ready to cut somebody. You know, like Gene, who hurt you, and who do I have to stab because I have your back. You know, they troll each other in such a loving way, but you never, ever get the sense that they're not down for each other as a family, you know? And then how they, they don't hit you over the head with how inclusive and how diverse they are. 
you know, I thought I had this great ability. Holy crap, Bob is, you know, is, is pansexual in my opinion, you know. And my wife's like, would you just figuring that out now? <laughs> you know? And, it, and it's, it's just, it's, it's such a great, amazing show because the way they write it, they're not hitting you over the head with anything, you know. And yeah, it's just, yeah. I could I could go on and on. <laughs> One of my favorite lines from it is when they visit the dentist, and the dentist is like, "You should probably visit more often." She's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," and she, she ignores it. And I'm like, "Yeah, because they're poor, and <laughs> poor people yeah. don't get to go to the doctor that often." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah, and every time they're about to get a leg up, you know, like when when uh, when Mr. Fishoder hired them to be his fake Thanksgiving family, and Bob couldn't keep it together because he had this whole epic Thanksgiving, you know implanted in his head and my wife's like oh man i would kill you if you ruined that for us like that's a lot of money it's like <laughs> but it, you know what it really does illustrate how much his family means to him she's like i know but that's a lot of money <laughs> but and that's what makes boss burger so human because yes. we all like a lot of poor people would take mr fish owner's offer easily <laughs> we would just jump for the chance to get that much money but uh oh. Dude, as, a, as an artist, I can appreciate Bob's imposter syndrome. Yeah. Because one of my absolute favorite episodes is the burger contest against Skip Marouche. That, you know, where Gene and the whole, the whole, uh, the, the black truffle mushroom thing, or black, black garlic, you know, fiasco, and how he loses it. And he's like, oh, it's garbage. And, and Gene's like, you know, I'm sorry, I missed it up. He's like, I didn't mess it up. You know, we tried our best. And then Skip Marouche shows up you know, with a crowd behind him. And he's like, why are you here? And he's like, because I want to try that awesome burger you made. And he was so validated by that, you know, and it was such a relatable moment as an artist, you know, when I hear like what she did in the beginning, when I hear kind words about my art, it's like, okay, are you just being nice or do you really believe that? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but I feel like his screw ups are very human, like because we, we even if from the outside looking in, we can be we can look at Bob and be like, ha, oh, Bob, you shouldn't have done that. But we've all done really dumb shit. And <laughs> on oh, the level yeah. of Bob, and we cringe, and we can look back and be like, I should not have done that. Yeah. I feel I feel like a lot of times the Belchers remind us of <laughs> the silly, funny, the, the silly mistakes we make, and we shouldn't take it too seriously. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, my 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 comfort show is Gravity Falls. Oh my gosh, that is another show. Yeah, I could drag, I could go on, and I freaking <laughs> love Gravity Falls. And again, because I love how down Mabel and Dipper are for each other, you know, and Grunkle Stan, his, it's like you think he's a psycho, but it's like, oh, he loves the kids. I mean, it's so heartbreaking. The episode, early in the series, the episode where you just want to spend time with him, and they went looking for the Loch Ness monster or whatever it was, and then he's watching like a grand, you know, another family, and the grandkid says. On you, Peepaw, I love you. He's like, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Gravity Falls. And that was one, another one where I saw that late because I remember going to Comic-Con and everybody was, wearing, was cosplaying as Grunkle Stan. They had that, that bathrobe and everything. I'm like, why is everyone wearing that weird hat in a bathrobe? And then again, I, I watched the first episode of Gravity Falls and we're like, how did we not see this sooner? You know, it's such a brilliant show. Such a good show. <laughs> I don't know how people are are so ahead of the curve. I I'm not entirely certain because like I feel like I'm 
pretty savvy on social media, but when I see someone dressed like, okay, one of my favorite examples, and I think I mentioned this on an earlier podcast, but uh, when someone asked me to draw Hamilton and I didn't know about the Broadway play and I just drew the president because the person's like, uh, can you draw Hamilton? I was like, you mean the president of the, okay. And so I drew the, <laughs> I drew the historical figure and they're like, oh, we meant the Broadway play. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> and that was the first exposure i ever had to the play and i feel like I, I i feel like that's been done many times over at comic-con where there's a fandom that i would love if i gave it a shot or i heard about sooner but everyone seems ahead of me it's only in like netflix that i feel ahead of everyone else <laughs> yeah and it's and it's i mean maybe it's my old age or whatever but a lot of stuff that I've that I've discovered is from the fans, which is why you know during that lull, and not of no conventions, it was so depressing, losing that connection with other people, being to talk about stuff, and then discovered new stuff through the through their fellow fans. You know what I mean? Speaking of another show, and this is okay. I just I just lied now because I'm gonna say that I the only thing I feel ahead of people is Netflix, but Shira. When that show came out, I had no interest in watching it, and so it I, I watched it when it was finally on the last season, and I was way behind on everyone else. Um, but when I was when I watched the series, the next show I did, which was a show after they were starting to take away uh, social distancing mandates, um, mm-hmm. someone asked for a drawing of Catra, and that was the first show I did, and I was so excited. I was like, "This is amazing." I wanted to draw the Shira character since I watched the show. And yes, I'm going to draw the fuck out of this drawing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think what, what, one of the things I really love about that series, again, is my favorite series, my, my, my favorite shows are ones that uh, are progressive <laughs> and don't, like, I feel like you can be. Pro- I, I feel like the best way to be progressive is don't is, is just make it happen. Just do it. Don't advertise yes. that you're doing it. Just do it. Yeah. And you said that with Bob's Burgers, um, that Bob is definitely gender fluid, and uh, or I don't know, I don't not gender fluid. Uh, I think that sexuality is fluid. I think that he doesn't even know what term to use, but he's yeah. just <laughs> he's just existing, and I think that that a lot of people can relate to that. Um. And when I was scrolling through your Instagram, I saw that uh, you have quite a few comic books with Dr. Scarlet that are absolutely amazing. Um, and I don't know how many books you work on. I, I, I did scroll past uh, uh, Super Survivors. And I scrolled past one where one character, I think, doesn't have an arm. I forget the title of that book. They have a robot arm. Um... Wait, is that one of mine? Oh my gosh, I've done quite a few. Yeah, it's, um, it's done, on your Instagram. Yeah. You posted. You said I worked on this thing, so I know it's a thing that you did. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, no, that was actually that wasn't with her. That was with another person. It was um, it was like for Super Able Comics. Okay, so that and wasn't Doctor was, Scarlet. No, it wasn't Doctor Scarlet. But it was for it was Highly Heroes with uh, limb differences. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that was yeah, that was another fun one that I did. Yeah. And then there was another one. I'm trying to remember. It was Dark something, right? Oh, Dark Agents. Yeah. Dark Agents. Yeah. All these books are <laughs> really cool and very important and very good with uh, and 
they're helpful with trauma. They're helpful with being able to relate and having solidarity and hearing stories that of stuff that we're all suffering through. So uh, yeah, please, I would like to know more about how did you get involved and what books have you done with Dr. Scarlett? Yeah, so um, honestly, it was funny how Dr. Scarlett and I first met. Um, she was working with a pain management um, for a hospital and they're putting out like a mini comic pamphlet um, addressing pain management um, and weaning yourself off of drugs using you know non-medical techniques to manage your pain um, because I guess the previous artists they worked with um, it kind of fell through and they just needed somebody to, to finish a project so I, I jumped on and did the comic for her um, because we met through a, through a friend of a friend on Facebook in a Facebook group and like oh they need an artist they recommended me and we worked so well on that project that um, when it came time to do her own comic, uh, she left the hospital to, to, to move on with her own practice. And um, she, she was writing a novel. And she it was, it was very inspired by, you know, um, a very like fantasy, mythology, that kind of thing, you know. And she was writing it as a prose book. But her editor at the time was like, you know, this is a really cool story. Have you ever thought of making it into a graphic novel or a comic? And she was all about it. So she kind of put the call out to people she knew and I was on that list. And, um, you know, I, I did some I did some uh, um, some concept art for her and everything. And then it's funny, we did an interview at Comic-Con that year. I want to say like 2016, 2017 Comic-Con. But um, we met at, I, I want to say it was Entertainment Earth, their booth on the floor. She was cosplaying as a Slytherin. And I was dressed up as a giant panda from the anime Rama one half. And we did the interview on the exhibit floor, which must have been surreal for everybody passing by us. And um, yeah, and, and we just we just hit it off creatively and I ended up getting the job. And honestly, you know, when when I when I when I when she approached me with the project, it's it's like, oh man, you know, the whole stigma of self-help books. You know, I was like, oh, this is gonna be kind of like really clinical or cheesy, you know. And then she gave me the manuscript and was like, this is actually like, you know, all of the, you know, acceptance and commitment therapy techniques aside and all the mental health stuff is, is a really good story. It's a really well-written story with great characters. And it was just so much fun to draw. And we just worked so well together that when she did more books, um, like Superhero, um, was it um, Super Survivors? Uh, we did the uh, Harry Potter therapy um, together. Um, what what else um was it i think uh, therapy quest but um but yeah she she has a really great fantasy writing style she she writes really great compelling characters and then all of the you know the therapy stuff and the mental health stuff is written into the plot and the story organically so there's no screeching halt to be like you know let's hit the brakes and then approach this from like you know a, a therapy point of view you know or, you know, I'm going to spell out, you know, ACT for you. It's it's written into the plot where you don't realize, um, you know, actively that the character is doing it, you know, it, it's, it's part of their journey. And um, what's great about it is, you know, if you become a fan of these characters, especially, you know, these are meant for, you know, young adult, teens, children, what have you. What do you do with your favorite characters, you know, in life situations, you know, that you love? What would so-and-so do? So... 
seeing that the character went through these techniques to to help you know address whatever you know mental health challenge or situation they're going through when you're like you know in the in the specific case of dark agents you know you're like what would violet do you're going to remember that she used certain techniques to help her through that trying time through that point and this is something else i I brought with somebody else too is like another one of my things i hated about self-help books you know the, the the few times i gave them a chance was it was always the whole if you do a b and c the way i tell you your life's going to be perfect you're cured whatever ails you what you know you you're done what i love about the way dr scarlet writes her stories and, and approaches you know her 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 therapy is it is always a work in progress there's there's no magical cure there there is there is a you know there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow but that's not that doesn't mean that's where the work ends it's something that you have to be constantly working towards and working at and i like that you know what i mean because then if, if you if you hit a setback or roadblock you're not defeated it's not oh crap i i messed up on this step everything's ruined for me no you, you have it's almost like a save point in a video game you have a point where you can start over and try to move forward again and i really appreciate that about how she approaches you know her therapy and her stories that's pretty awesome and i look very forward to checking out that panel um because again i'm a big fan of any kind of fictional character uh, fictional characters or stories uh teaching people how to handle the shit that we all have to deal with mm -hmm. um where uh, what are your what are your social media sites where people can find your work um all my social media i'm mostly on instagram um it's at egg drop ramen sounds spelled exactly how it sounds um but yeah i'm more active on instagram i've been active on twitter just because of all the <laughs> all of the social and, and political stuff going on going on but so i, I would say this if, if you want to hear me rant or make dad jokes, go to Twitter. But if you want to see my artwork, go to Instagram. So. <laughs> I was—I have not been following your Twitter, but now I will, because I do want to hear you rant and have tell dad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I try to keep it light, because it's, it, you know, it's so easy to doom scroll. And I i personally feel like there's enough of that, some, or, unless I really have something that's, you know, eating away at me, um, I try to keep it light and be that kind of lighter side of, of, of Twitter. I was like, okay, I'm scrolling. Okay, this guy's a moron, but he made me laugh for a second. <laughs> you know? And then and I, and I like, you know, you know, artists such as yourself, creatives such as you guys, like I, like I said in a post, you know, this now more than ever, it's so important for, for creatives to keep creating, you know, to keep putting amazing stories out there because Again, I mean, we're going to address it on the panel. It's it's what's going to get us through these times. It it reminds us of of our humanity and what's worth why it's worth this this kind of struggle. You, you know what I mean? Because yeah, I mean, with without art, without creativity, without there's there's no how do I say it even? We have to you know we need stories to look forward to that give us a window to like the possibility of, of the greatness we are capable of. You know what I mean? The creators are basically Superman. We should remind <laughs> society 
of the potential greatness that they have. You know what I mean? I thought you were going to start quoting Jorel on me. <laughs> <laughs> Humans might stumble. Responsibility. Don't take wood and nickels. What else? <laughs> <laughs> I I I. Uh, I, I would like to say that I try to keep things light, but I don't. I don't. I will. <laughs> I, I will a lot of times make my whole goal is making fun of bad people because I feel like laughing at bad people gives people uh, strength to fight back. Oh, yeah, that's valid, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's weird because like a lot of times when something political happens and when something happens, like, okay, let's talk about... Oh, I don't want to go too much into the uh, overturn of Roe, versus, of Roe v. Wade, because then I'll get really upset. But yeah. <laughs> I don't want... I, I always have a hard time... Like, I'll share other artists. I'll share uh, uh, art. I'll share art done by folks with uteruses. But I don't want to really make my own art. I don't know about making my own art, because I feel weird and imposter. Not imposter. Uh, I feel weird because I don't want to get the likes just because it's a trending topic. I'll share other artwork from people who aren't me because coming from such a position of privilege of being a white cisgender heterosexual male, uh, I don't want I don't want to be like, hey guys, uh, <laughs> put your attention on me. Here's my artwork. No, <laughs> also, I, no, I, I mean, I, I refrain from the same um, because you know, as much as, as I, I, I am an ally and I do advocate for it, it's not my experience. You know what I mean? It's somebody else's experience, which is the whole root of why it is a woman's right to choose and I should have no say in it. I am not a woman. I'm not a female. I don't identify as such. So I don't know, you know, my opinion in that is not valid as far as they're concerned. You, you know what I mean? The, the only thing I want to put out there is, yes, I support you. I am an ally. I believe in reproductive rights and the rights of everyone, you know, and 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 yeah, it's it, it, it's kind of like it, it's it's a it's a weird um, balance to strike, right? You want to be an advocate, but like you said, you don't want to seem like you're pandering to a, to a crowd or a trend just to get the likes. So I, I totally get where you're coming from, you know. Uh, just to ask, no one heard no one heard uh, steel drum music in the background, did you? Did you? No. Okay, <laughs> because the ice cream truck just drove past, and I'm like, oh, this is a serious subject, dude. <laughs> Don't ruin this for me. <laughs> but come back when I'm done, because I would like ice cream. <laughs> yeah, <all right. laughs> um, and that's what I'm saying about uh, doom scrolling is that a lot of my a lot of my social media is me sharing stuff because this is not my turn. This is. This is a time where other voices should be, I should spotlight other voices and share them. And so a lot of times I forget to make anything lighthearted because I'm just like, nope, <laughs> not yeah. time for my jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, I mean, if I may, um, for, for the, the mental health and pop, the pop culture and mental health um, panel, uh, I, I assembled a, uh, what I, I'm hoping is a very diverse representative group of, of people, you know, you know, um, as far as um, how they identify, you know, people of color, just to get as many points of view, points of view as possible. Um, uh, there's Dr. Scarlett, you know, who's, who's a, a psychologist, a pop psychologist, um, and then there's um, Billy San Juan. He, he's 
um, written some freelance stuff for Magic the Gathering for the card game, which is really cool. And he's done, he's contributed to books, you know, the psychology of Star Wars and whatnot. And then, um, you know, I have a couple of podcasters. Um, I send Atiba, who does a pop culture podcast, you know, kid and Kid Phoenix versus whatever topic they want to they want to troll or fight each other over. Um, just to get as many points of views, you know, what I mean, it's not just one narrow single. You know, I really want it to be an organic discussion. And it's my first one moderating at Comic Con, so I'm a little terrified, and I hope it goes off well. <laughs> but uh, but in, on the lighter side, I mean, speaking of, of people creating stories, I'm doing I'm moderating another panel on Sunday, um, and it's uh, I had to bring it up because I wanted to make sure I didn't screw up the title of it. But what was it? I know that feeling oh. of having to write it down so you don't forget. <laughs> oh, good grief! I just had it. Oh, injecting the personal. And it's and it's called that, and it's about injecting your personal experiences into your artwork and writing and stories. And it's featuring um Tom. I'm gonna butcher his last name because I don't think I've ever heard it pronounced. But Tom Batiuk. I don't know if you know him. He uh, did the comic strip Funky Winker Bean and Crankshaft. Okay. Um, when yeah, I'm, and I've been a big fan. You should look him up. His style is very in the vein of like uh, Doonesbury, if you're familiar with Doonesbury. Yeah. It's kind of like in that in that vein, and it's interesting. He's one of the few comic strips where his characters age and grow during the duration of the comic strip. Yeah, they're not stuck at like you know, at ten years old or thirty or twenty or whatever. Yeah, his his characters actually mature as as the story progresses. Um, I think Foxtrot does that as well. But anyway, yeah, he's he's gonna be. I'm I'm moderating a panel with him and and a couple of amazing uh, creatives. I'm gonna try my best not to fanboy. And focus on him while during that panel. It's like I'm already, I'm just thinking about him, like getting like anxiety. But yeah, I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, I'm looking forward to this. I'm really looking forward to this. I'm, I'm still a bit leery about COVID, but I'm gonna take my precautions. I'm like triple vaxxed. I've caught it twice at this point, you know. So, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna mask up and do my distancing, and you know keep it as safe as I can, but I really I'm looking forward to this to this to this gathering and seeing how it goes down. I'm definitely gonna mask up. I got some N95s. I got my uh my welding shield that I wore at San Diego Comic Fest and I'm also gonna be taking a vitamin D because I've heard somewhere that that helps. I don't know if it will, but everyone yeah. should take vitamin D. I guess more vitamins yay. <laughs> um <laughs> I mean but even without COVID, you know, I, I always get that contract. I don't want that yeah. either. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, just, my immune just system rocks. So my immune yeah. system rocks. I never get concrete. I don't I don't remember the last time I got sick. I don't remember I think the last time I had a flu was when I was a kid. I can't remember when the last time I had a flu. And I don't take the I don't take oh, wow. <laughs> I should get the flu vaccine. I should get the flu shot every year, but I don't. I forget. <laughs> even though it's so convenient and easy, but whatever. Yeah. Um what words of advice would you give to someone who is looking to make comic books that help people? My biggest word of advice, um, you know what? Your, your, the personal experiences that you inject into your stories and into that artwork are valid, you know? And the more you can be, how do I say, the, the more you can be honest and inject th that kind of experience into it the better it will communicate and come across to who you're trying to reach 
You know what I mean? And for for anybody, you know, any any person that from from the on the you know on the psychology side or therapy side that's listening to this, you know, the, the more personal you can make it and less sterile and textbooks you can make it, the better it'll reach your audience. Because I mean, and I'm gonna speak frankly, there's a flood of self-help out there that is so dry and clinical and point A, B, and C. But you know, it's like those earworms or like the dumb dad joke. The more fun, the more personal, the more relatable you can make it, the more that message is gonna stick. So if you can achieve that, I think you're off to a great start. <laughs>